Hey, Redbirds, it's Leah Johnson. It's now time for your fifth quarter sports talk. It's Will's fifth quarter special, and here's your host, Will Farlow. Welcome into the 20th episode of a sports podcast that captures everything you want to know as the buzzer sounds at the end of any sports game. It's Will Farlow here with you tonight, welcoming listeners to the 20th episode of Will's fifth quarter special. I'm here tonight with my guest co-host who's Come back for a second time. He must have enjoyed the first time he was on. Anthony Ferretti is back on the show once again tonight. So, Anthony, welcome back to the show. Good to have you back. Thank you. Pleasure to be here. We have a very exciting show for you guys tonight. We have a guest appearance as the Illinois State Volleyball Team's head coach, Leah Johnson, joined the show this episode as she helped us to get to know the team better and what we can look forward to seeing the rest of their season in 2018. Monday night's victory against the Bradley Braves in four sets made it a four-game win streak for the second-place Redbirds in the Missouri Valley Conference. What does Illinois State need to do to continue that this weekend at home as they host Southern Illinois and Missouri State? The Illinois State football team beat the Southern Illinois Salukis on homecoming day this past Saturday, 51-3. How can the Redbirds bring that energy to their road game Saturday against the rival North Dakota State Bison? The Chicago Bears fell in a close 31-28 overtime game on the road against former Bears offensive coordinator and Miami Dolphins head coach Adam Gase. How can Nagy's Bears bounce back at home against Tom Brady and the New England Patriots this Sunday? The Bears offense is molding, but questions remain in the run game to this point. How can these questions be answered and others with the team before Week 7? The show will continue to monitor the season of the Chicago Bulls as their opening night game begins tonight against the Philadelphia 76ers. We also continue to cover the early off-seasons of the Chicago White Sox and the Chicago Cubs. We also have exciting talk coming up tonight with the MLB playoffs that are heating up as the ALCS and NLCS are close to finishing toward the beginning of this season's World Series. The show will close with the original segment of Will's Sports Movie Moment. The Illinois State Volleyball Team, Anthony, we're going to start with them tonight. As we mentioned, ladies first, we're gentlemen on this show. We are. The Illinois State Volleyball Team continues its strong 2018 season with a record of 16-5 to this point, sporting a four-game win streak heading into this weekend's two home games against Southern Illinois and Missouri State. This success is due to the leadership of a head coach that has the Redbird Volleyball Team on a successful path for the future. On June 21, 2017, the Illinois State Redbirds named Leah Johnson the seventh head coach in the history of ISU Volleyball. Johnson spent time as a player for the Missouri State Bears from 2000 to 2003, being a key team captain for her Bears, leading the team to an MVC title in 2003. Coach Johnson then spent time as an assistant coach at Texas Pan American, Missouri State, and Notre Dame from 2007 to 2010. Johnson then was named the head coach for the Southern Illinois University Edwardsville Cougar volleyball team from 2011 to 2016. At the helm of the Illinois State volleyball team, season one, she saw a 22-win team and a bright future coming into this year with strong recruitment based on her experience in recruiting, being an assistant coach for those three organizations. Coach Johnson's strong belief in good team chemistry, good recruiting, and effective approaches on offense and defense have helped the Redbirds to mold a good, solid team of young women that continue to be successful and a team that fans can enjoy each serve, kill, and match point that the Redbirds have as they take the court in Redbird Arena or on the road. I had a chance to speak with ISU Volleyball Head Coach Leah Johnson to learn more about how she feels about this Redbird team's success to this point in her second year at Illinois State University and what we can expect for the future of ISU Volleyball. Coach, welcome to Will's Fifth Court Special. It's a show where we like to talk about, you know, ISU sports, uh, especially the volleyball team, professional sports, and a team that's what I think is going to have a big season, but just First off, thanks for your time. We're, uh, we, we love talking volleyball on this show, uh, all the time. So just thanks for, uh, taking the time. Yeah, I appreciate you guys doing that and sharing our sport with your, uh, listeners. And, um, I'm pleased to be here. Thank you. So my first question that I just had a little, uh, there, um, this is your second year at Illinois State as the head coach, uh, for a team of young women that I think is just on the rise this year and has a bright future. But, um, the listeners that don't know a lot about you as a head coach here when you started last season, what was that like, you know, starting here in a new program in Bloomington Normal in the Missouri Valley and uh, bringing what you learned from last year into this season? Yeah, you know, when I first got here, it was a special thing for sure because um, I'd played. I was a Missouri Valley athlete myself, and um, had, having played in this league, Illinois State was very highly regarded. And 
um, a program that was well supported by the administration, uh, an athletics department and university that uh, enjoyed a lot of support from the community. And that makes it a special experience for the student athlete. And so as a coach, that's one of my goals is to make sure my athletes enjoy and feel um, like their four years here are very special and meaningful and, and have a lifelong impact. And it's hard to do that when you're in a community that maybe isn't as excited about the institution or not as supportive of the athletics department. And um, I think Bloomington Normal really rallies behind our, our student athlete body. And so I appreciate that. And so going into year two, I think one of the most important things was that uh, we make sure we engage the community that are already fans, you know, so we put together a lot of events um, along with in cooperation with our marketing department and our tickets office to where we brought in audiences that uh, maybe were already Redbird fans, but maybe not volleyball fans yet. And so that's why we scheduled Hoop Fest following our Valparaiso match to see if by the end of that match we had 4,000 people on their feet you know, for a volleyball game that they probably had never been to. And so I think they gave gave them a taste of what high-level athletics looks like in a different way. Um, other examples, you know, we had the football team signing autographs before the match, and, you know, maybe we crossed over with a few football fans that had never been into the volleyball arena before. So those were some of the things that we took from last year into this year that uh, we're certainly excited about, just the the entire group and community effort that makes the program great. Yeah, and you just talked about making the program great. Something, uh, just being able to cover uh, the team's beat for WZ&D last year, mm-hmm. it's no question that you preach good team chemistry, and that's no doubt what the team's been able to do since your start here at ISU. Just a team that starts well, and let's say they have to fight back in a set or two, Illinois State never gives up in volleyball. Right. And uh, what is that philosophy of like team chemistry, you know, with these five seniors this season, um, mm-hmm. Leslie Vargo, Leslie Wallen, Jordan Weatherless, Courtney Pence, and Caroline. the whole yeah. team as a whole. Yeah. What's, um, so, what's that like? Well, I think, you know, you, you listing out the seniors right there gives you a good indication. You've got five people who have spent their entire careers Redbirds. Now, that's pretty rare to find and for that many people, and, and their roles have all been very uniquely different. You know, Courtney and Allie have been on the court their whole four years, whereas, um, you know, Jordan and um, Lexi Varga and – uh, Ali, uh, excuse me, and um, Lexi Wallen have all shared time or kind of entered in and left the lineup at various stages in different roles of their career. And so I think that's a unique thing to see that fight within their own class be part of who they are. You know, that they, they never back down from a challenge. They don't quit when it's hard. You know, they don't take for granted what they have when it's easy. And so they set a tone there. But speaking in, in uh, whole terms about culture, you know, we value service as one of our core values, one of our three core values. And service is more than just doing what the obvious sounds like, like community service, for example, which is very important. But we talk about service and how you make someone around you better. Like that is absolutely our number one responsibility as a teammate, as a coach, as a leader, as a community member of the university, uh, and for Bloomington Normal. So we're here to serve one another and lift someone up next to us in the hardest of times and in the easiest of times. And I think that has created a pretty cool sense of camaraderie and chemistry on the court and off the court. Yeah, and just something I want to touch on, too. Two players that you brought to the program uh, through the offseason, it's the way you could see it. I saw from that exhibition against DePaul, there's no question that Mm -hmm. newcomers are able to just fit right in with your uh, coaching philosophy and a coaching philosophy, I believe, is very well respected in the way you're able to split time with each player, getting to play equally, just mm-hmm. contributing the best they can for each game. And uh, two players I've been following, uh, we have on the show a great deal, is uh, Kaylee Martin, a sophomore transfer from NIU, and as well right. the emergence of Marissa Stockman. What has that been like to see their growth in their uh, first season as a Redbird? Yeah, we're, I'm very proud of both of them, as are, as is their team, you know, um, Marissa, obviously, being a freshman, it was all very brand new, and she, in preseason, I'm not sure the team was as aware as the staff was that she'd be a true starter. You know, she was having a hard time keeping up with the pace of the gym and um, finding points in the gym and the practice environment was a little bit, you know, uh, deer in the headlights at times, but she always put in high effort, and it was just a matter of things calming down and working on the simple things where she would start to excel, and so when we got into 
um, less of a teaching mode and more of a play mode, Marissa started to evolve. And so I'm really proud of her for for keeping her confidence through those hard hard times where you're having to absorb a ton of information. Everyone's giving you feedback. Um, you know, coaches are asking you to change almost everything about what you do and how you play. And she kept her head about her. So that I think that makes you know a lot of credit goes to her there. Um, Kaylee is a little more unique in that she's a sophomore and a transfer. So she's been through. Uh, a different culture, if you will, and, and it's not my job to speak of what that culture was, but just she had to totally re readjust her mentality about what uh, what team looks like, what um, support looks like, what it means to compete for your position. <clears throat> you know, I don't think she stepped off the court a day for Northern Illinois, and so for us it's about her uh, finding her herself within our role, and sometimes that means sharing time, sometimes that means not being in the starting lineup, um, sometimes that means playing six rotations or not. And so she's done a nice job, I, I think, really kind of weathering through the highs and lows of what that role requires and understanding that it takes a, you know, a whole group of people to win matches. And so she's done a nice job, I think, absorbing that mentality. Yeah, and I think the credit also goes to you as the head coach, obviously, being able to fit in these players the way they have. So just had to give you some credit right there as well. The well, way thank the you for that. It's just yeah. incredible. It's I appreciate just incredible that. to watch. And there's a matchup I I look forward to seeing, of course, to start conference play. I remember uh, last year when Missouri State came to Illinois State, your uh, former head coach, uh, you were coaching against her for the first time in your career uh, with ISU. And, you know, ISU fell in five sets, but it was a very close, well-fought matchup. And then you go on the road, your first Missouri Valley Conference game with the Birds this year in your second season to take them down in three sets. Uh, what does that mean, not just – for you as a coach for ISU, but uh, given your history with their head coach at Missouri State. Right, yeah. It is meaningful. You know, I we talk about trying to see each game as the same, but there's always a little edge to each each opponent, whether it be, you know, Bradley being down the road in this rival school, um, historically as institutions, or Northern Iowa being a team that's won more conference championships than any program in the conference, or, um, you know, and then for me at, at Missouri State, and I think for our team too, you know, uh, the last time we'd beaten Missouri State was the senior class's freshman year, and uh, that's a big deal. You know that we we talked about it being um, uh, a monumental win for everyone. That our seniors can go out beating them to kind of bookend their career. That our freshmen can start their career with the expectation that we beat this program. That for the first time I can get a win over my alma mater. Um, you know that our that we we change the tides. We you know, or the first one to be able to beat the team that was undefeated last year. Like, there were a lot of different milestones in that, and mine was just one of them. So, you know, we embraced all of those opportunities, and I thought our team was really engaged and excited, um, you know, to make it their own, to make it their legacy and the 2018 team's, you know, mission. Yeah, and I'm glad you mentioned opportunity. That's a really big thing in sports. Whenever you have a match coming up, you want to prepare the best you can. And that's something I wondered. A lot of fans might not know how this, how your team – uh, prepares for games, and especially uh, the way it was managed last night with Bradley, I think was very well done. You had two games in the weekend that were, mm-hmm. you know, Valparaiso in four sets, Loyola in three. They played a pretty hard uh, match against you, uh, yeah. your team. So uh, going into Southern and Missouri State this weekend, uh, just after how last night was managed, how confident are you um, in the team's uh, success with those uh, next two home games? Uh, I mean, I feel very confident in our team against anyone. Uh, it doesn't matter what school you name, I'm going to be confident in our team. So it really is just a matter of taking care of the ball on our side of the net. You know, I'm, I'm rewatching film right now from the weekend, actually, just before you called, and, um, you know, looking through the things where we can be two points better. You know, when we're passing well, we win the match. It is There's a direct correlation. Um, and when our service team starts to break down, I'm recognizing that we need to make changes faster to address that. Um, but... I think it's harder the second time around. So I think for us, the number one important, the the first and most important thing we have to focus on is our health, um, because we can make a ton of changes, but if we're tired and we're fatigued or we're starting to get sick or we've got injuries nagging at us, like that's what our attention needs to be put to in the second half, because there's only so much room for growth as you move into this part of the season. Um, you need to just use your strengths at their highest level, and so you can't do that unless you're feeling good. And so that's the first thing. Um, and then the second thing, I think the difference between for us versus other opponents is that we were already, you know, really steady beginning season where everyone else, like Southern and Missouri State, are having to work their way up 
And so they're seeing a lot of changes within their team, within their lineup, within their style of play. Like they're going through so many more phases of growth right now that we went through in our non-conference season. And so we look more the same, and they look different. I think that it actually gives our opponents an advantage that we have to be prepared for. And so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it as well, Coach. I just want to Thank say you. it has been such a pleasure to not just be able to cover uh, Illinois State Volleyball for the show, you know, just not to talk about it, but telling people how important it is that they go to the games, check out a team mm-hmm. that's playing great volleyball, not just for the school, but the community. So just yeah. thank you for your time to uh, help me be able to do that with our listener base. It has been well, such a pleasure to have you yeah. on today. That means a lot to me and what you're doing for our student body and for our, for the listeners, I think, is tremendous to give voice to different areas of the university and, and athletics in particular, but most specifically to our sport. I really feel like this is a sport that the student body can get excited about because it's an engaging, action-filled, you know, um, event. And so I, I hope they continue to um, feel the energy building and come out and be part of that because we need everyone. So thank you so much, and, and I appreciate all you do. All right, Anthony, that was, well, incredible insight from what I've seen so far as a very well-respected head coach. And Leah Johnson, I, I love this, not just with the volleyball coach here and Coach Johnson, but all the coaches here at Illinois State, Brock Spack, Melinda Fisher, uh the new baseball coach I've heard really good things about, too, Dan Muller, Coach Gillespie. And uh, I know you've said a lot of good things, too, about the soccer coach as well. Redbird Athletics, they're just really great with how they are with not just the fans but students as well and building a good culture, which I feel is really important for uh, not just Illinois State athletics but any athletic program. Now, no, no program is going to be perfect, but I think what Coach Johnson's doing with this Redbird volleyball team is incredible. You see it on the court. You see how excited this team is. And it was that way as well with Coach Myers, but this is a new era right now for ISU Volleyball. And I just want to get your thoughts to this point of uh, what Coach Johnson and the young women of ISU Volleyball have seen this successful season to this point. What are your kind of thoughts on that? Well, I think that in the second season uh, for Coach Johnson and Redbird Volleyball, that they have gotten stronger since last season. Um, They had a very tough non-conference schedules will begin their season and they were away for, from Redbird Arena for a while um, with those tournaments despite that exhibition game against DePaul. But I think they learned from those games. Um, even though they lost to Georgia in four sets, they still were able to stay strong there. Same thing with Wisconsin. So they did play top opponents and they were able to bring that in and use that as momentum to drive them further. And you've seen that so far in conference as they have a tremendous conference record. I believe it's six and one or eight and one in conference and the continuing that success. And you saw when we were calling the game last week that they had three games in four days and they played a very tough 11 sets and came out with three key conference victories. They did Anthony that just being able to take down Valparaiso, who's playing some good volleyball this year. Uh, Loyola seems to have a very strong program, but still under a new head coach, they're kind of, in a spot the Redbirds were, but obviously the Redbirds had a bigger, a better set foundation last season uh, that Coach Johnson came into. But just thinking about these two games coming up, and this is something I talked with Coach about in the interview with her um, just a few days ago uh, for this podcast episode this week. It, it meant a lot to her when they beat, uh, I'm sure you remember that first conference game this year was against Missouri State and her former head coach, who she was an assistant for, and her former team that she played for as well. So that's Kind of what you see, uh, two things right there that, you know, as a head coach, you want your team to do well, but you're also, you know, thinking about, you know, your former team and alma mater and just hoping they still find that success. But she was very uh, excited as well as the team was, she said, about how they did in that game. And it just, I think it's going to bring that excitement Saturday. And uh, I'm going to make a joke. Uh, you know, I like to make puns, Mr. Fred. You know my <laughs> casual puns here. The listeners like those as far as I know at this point. Uh, hopefully, but uh, they play Missouri State Saturday night, and it is Scouts night, so uh, hopefully the Redbirds have read the scouting reports <laughs> of Missouri State quite in depth. I'm sure the Bears have as well, um, but just a little bit uh, a little bit of fun there. If they didn't catch it, we'll uh, see if they do when they listen to this, but my second question, this goes with my second question. So the Redbirds coming off against Bradley four sets, the Alparaiso four sets, 
uh, sweeping Loyola, four sets against Drake. So those last four victories, three of them came in four sets. And we're going to take a look here real quick at the box score, Bradley. I know you were at the game, but I didn't have the um, honor to check that game out. I was in class and taking care of, you know, academic things. Academics do come um, first. You Right, you are. Um, but that third set, it was a very close one. The birds were like neck and neck, but then Bradley pulls out 25-18, but then the Redbirds pulled out a very close set for uh, the way Coach Johnson played those players in that game, I was very impressed. Like she gave them enough rest when they needed to, and the nice thing is they didn't—they don't have their next set of games till Friday and Saturday this weekend. That's going to lead me into my question for you. I'm sure you've taken a look before the games at kind of what you're expecting to see, not just as a broadcast uh, personality, but just as a fan of the team. What are you uh, predicting and uh, hoping that the Rebels can do in both those games to continue this winning mentality and just strong chemistry-based success? Well, I think what we're going to start with is that they're playing their fourth and fifth game at home within the past week. So I think it's going to be nice for them to play on Friday. Um, they're, I think they are using all of this uh, free time, I guess you could say, between those games just to kind of recuperate because they played three games, which is 11 sets for them in four days, and that definitely showed a bit of a t bit of fatigue as we saw against Bradley. Um but I think against the Salukis, the Salukis are a team this year in the Valley. They've been struggling a little bit. They have not gotten a conference win. So obviously, they are going to be hungry for a win. But the way uh, Coach Johnson has um, put this team together, um, they have strength not only with their starters, but off of the bench as well. That if there's an outside hitter or a blocker that's not having a good night, you know, she's confident she can put someone else in and they can play a factor. So I think with the Salukis, I'm trying to be hungry for that one. I think the Redbirds are going to sweep them. And then we go against Missouri State, which is going to be a tough one. As you mentioned, they opened up, or that was one of their early games, playing the Bears. And a bit of a reunion for head coach Leah Johnson, um, who played and learned under their current head coach. And so just it's a big learning experience for her, obviously, just to be able to not only face her coach, but beat her, showing like, you know, hey, you know, this is what I've learned from you. I think it's going to be a tough match. I do think they will come out with the one. I think it will be in four sets it, instead of three. But I think that the, the way they've been playing, they can play two strong sets. And then it's that third set or second set that will set them back a little bit, but not too much. So I think it might be like a 25-21 third set. And then they'll take that fourth set and keep um, that one streak going. I love that enthusiasm you have about the way you talk about those games. Not just how the Redbirds can try to win and how they go about it, but the way they use that energy and just consistency. Uh, we, we saw it on the call. We both calling that game together for Z&D uh, Saturday night for homecoming. It was an honor to do that on homecoming night as well, in my opinion especially. But... We we gotta tell the listeners that play we saw. We have to. I think we have to talk about it. I'm still I, feeling the I shivers. I do know what play you're talking from, about. Uh, they shared it on the NCAA about this amazing play. I'm like, oh, we witnessed it. And do you see that ESPN thing? You could see us right in the corner there. You could obviously see our backs, but you could see how close the play was to us. And just to describe that play that we're relating to, uh, if you haven't, if you didn't catch the game Saturday night against uh, Loyola, you missed a good one. Just to touch on it. Okay, so. Loyola serves the ball. ISU gets the ball. You know, they're trying to get it back over the net. You know, they have a really good front three set up as they usually feature. And Kaylee Martin, and if, you're, if you've been in Redbird Arena before, there's a corner part of the court that was right near where the fans were sitting at the game. Like two nice, a, a nice couple just sitting there watching the game. And the ball goes inches near them. They're like, oh, shoot, the ball's coming our way. All of a sudden, their sophomore transfer dynamo, Kaylee Martin, going for the ball, keeps it inbounds, hits it, bumps it right back um, with her hands there, good form from volleyball style, to her teammate, Steph Jankowitz, who got the ball over the net to Loyola, but Loyola kept fighting back. When That's what you like to see in each rally, each set it, up in the matches, is how Loyola approached the Redbirds. Each time... You know, each serve, a new serve started, those teams were treating it. It was like set five, and the score was tied at 12, it seemed like. Just that intensity you could feel from both sides. And all of a sudden, Loyola hits the ball back to ISU, and it was Kaylee Martin getting the Redbird kill. Kaylee Martin, now we talked about her before on the show, Anthony, and I know I talked it with Isaac on episode 19 
uh, heading into those matchups this past weekend. But there's nothing but good things we can say about this rubber team. And Kaylee Martin uh, is one of those many bright spots. Courtney Pence just continues to be respectably honored in rubber history for her. she she these player young women work so hard Anthony these young women just work so hard for their team uh, the fans you could tell that when you talk to coach after the game or you, you see it from the stands you don't even have to talk to them it seems like you could just see that intensity and I'm gonna be with you I think I'm gonna have the Redbirds getting the sweep Friday against Southern Illinois Southern Illinois doesn't really have the best record but I feel like you know coming to a team to face a team. At Rubber Arena, that's 8-1 right now in conference play. You and I still undefeated 9-0. Hopefully that will change uh, moving forward, and the Birds could hopefully change that back uh, coming up on November 3rd when they face them at Rubber Arena. But I have Southern Illinois in three sets, and I'm going to make an interesting prediction with Missouri State. I think Missouri State's going to want a little bit of vengeance after that sweet bias you got off them. I have it going four sets, 25-23 Redbirds. I think it's going to be another... Uh, kill point for the birds, but I think it's going to be between uh, three of their seniors to get it. Uh, I think it's going to be Allie Line, Lexi Wallen, or Lexi Varga. I feel like it's going to be uh, Coach wanting to trust her seniors at that point in that type of set. So those are our predictions for ISU Volleyball. It's going to be an exciting weekend once again here on the campus of Illinois State. Just to mention the times of each game, we have Rotary Club Night will be the theme at Redbird Arena on Doug Collins Court tomorrow night as the Illinois State Redbirds host the Southern Illinois Salukis for another match up in the Missouri Valley Conference. That will be tomorrow night, 7 p.m. for serve. And Saturday night, you can catch me along with Joey Dwyer on the call for WZND on that one. Saturday night, it's Scouts Night, and you're talking to a former Cub Scout, Mr. Frey, so I'm actually preparing some uh, fun stories put in between there about uh, – you know, scouting just kind of fits the theme. You know, it fits almost the like, theme. Almost like that game was meant to be for you to call it. Oh, I, I, I think God was watching out for me on that one, man. I'm very excited. And uh, it's actually my third time calling Missouri State Volleyball. Um, it, I, I mentioned it on, on a few episodes ago. I called my first ever studio host, ISU Volleyball, against Missouri State here. Um, I was on a color for it last year uh, with Mike Mara, and now I'm the playoff before it could not be. Uh, more of a dream come true. And that'll be a 7 p.m. first serve Saturday night. More uh, exciting IC sports are coming away as we are headed in to the football part of the collegiate segment of tonight's show. And, Anthony, we're going to have to talk about it sooner or later. The Rebbers just continue to play so well under Coach Brock's back in his 11th season with the Rebbers. 11 seasons. Coach, Coach back has just built a solid foundation with this program. And he has that run game. There's not enough good things we can say about the run game. They're just continuing that consistency. Uh, their presence on the field is absolute. Markel Smith, Jordan Birch, and James Robinson. But we were want, we were wanting them to – I talked about it with Isaac too, and I'm sure you can agree as you were at the Western game as well, Anthony. Um, the Birds needed to show that consistency of winning after losing to Missouri State. Now, they, they, they've been winning this year. There's no question. You know, home opener against St. Xavier, Eastern Illinois – and then on the road to Colorado State early in the season. But after a close Missouri State loss like that, fans were wondering what was going to happen, you know, how they can maybe go back to those winning ways and continue their successful season, you know, under a new quarterback, uh, after the defense lost some seniors, how strong they still are on the defensive side, some of those coaching changes um, on the personnel side under Coach Brock's back. But 51-3, to that even on homecoming as well, is a very um, exciting thing. I know we – both talked to our uh, well-respected university president, Larry Deachester, at the soccer game, and he was just excited for how the birds are doing right now, but just the pride you see on Illinois State's campus. Homecoming, the seats were filled. We were actually hanging out at that game together, and uh, it was a good time, but this team is on the right track, I think. Uh, there's still obviously a lot of games, a lot of tests. They have three more home games. Uh, that'll be October 27th, November 3rd. Not November 3rd, correction. They're uh, on the road. So they'll be – Anthony, the Rebbers have two home games left um, in the season in uh, the Missouri Valley Football Conference uh, matchups. They have Youngstown to close the season on senior day and uh, South Dakota State in two weeks. But the big test we're going to have to talk about first, though, you obviously are going to have your own views on uh, what you saw Saturday um, on homecoming. Not just the excitement of you know homecoming day as a Rebber, but the excitement of the team. And I know you had a lot of – things you were sharing with me about the game, you know, your thoughts and opinions. Why don't you share some of those with me about what you thought about that 51-3 to victory? 
Well, I thought that it was a big victory um, for the Rebels, and they wanted to keep their homecoming winning streak going after upsetting Young T Youngstown State on homecoming last year. And for the viewers um, that are out there listening, they made a bit of a bat, and they wanted to try and rebound from what the Salukis did to them last year by beating them by 35 points. So they beat them 51 to three, and I think they did a very good job offensively. They were able to run the ball and. They obviously have a lot of depth in the backfield with James Robinson, Markel Smith, and Jordan Birch. Um, James Robinson, I think, got his first 200-yard game, which is surprising. Seeing, I do remember seeing that, yeah. Uh, yeah, which is really surprising seeing how much he's been able to run the ball. Um, I think he's one yard away from being in the top 10 all-time rushing uh, for the Redbirds. But the offense was moving pretty well there. And the defense was staying strong as well. I mean, obviously, only letting up a field goal in 60 minutes of play. Uh, shows how hard that defense is um, willing to compete to get that win. Yeah, it, and I'm glad you touched on the way uh, we approached Southern Illinois because we only let them get three points. That goes to the defense, and you were talking about the Redbirds wanted revenge from last year against Southern. And Southern plays some good football, and uh, just even athletics against birds. We've always seen that type of rivalry-type play, whether it be volleyball, baseball, uh, basketball especially. Last season we saw that, but... Just touching out on the football side to read some statistics from Saturday's game on homecoming day for the Birds. 409 yards total uh, rushing for Illinois State, 94 Southern Illinois. And of 34 attempts uh, for Southern, they only got 107 yards gained. They lost 17. The Redbirds lost the most yards rushing at 28, but they still gained a whopping total of 437 yards, which I think is incredible. Uh, taking a quick look at the passing yards, they had uh, 132 compared to Southern's 112. 500, almost 600 total yards, Anthony. That's just like NFL-level numbers. I'm not trying to compare collegiate to NFL completely because collegiate's a different level, but that's the type of game the Rebels played, and I think that was just staggering. And the possession time, the Rebels had 33 minutes, uh, 26. Now, the Salukis had 26, but a lot of that was... You know, they had good passes, decent first downs, but they were not able to convert too well on third down. I think that's really what their downfall was, even did, aside from that whopping score they lost to 51-3. to And uh, this is going to be a probing question for you here, Mr. Freddy. You kind of gave me a thought I didn't expect to ask about tonight. What side of the ball do you feel like the Redbirds, even after winning with 51 points, that... They could have worked out more. Like that, you would have wanted to see it more out of on the game. Was it more the offensive or the defensive side of the ball? I'm thinking um, the defensive side of the ball um, only because we didn't force the turnover. Because earlier in the season we were forcing a lot of turnovers and uh, kind of just being more aggressive on that front line. And um, we saw it in the Western game that they a lot of the times they would turn those third and fourth and short into a first down for the opposing team. So they weren't able to hold them back. So forcing those turnovers and just being aggressive to try and sack the quarterback um, or just providing pressure, like limiting those yards after the catches or even just deflecting them. I definitely agree with you on that. Uh, the defense did a lot of things, uh, but I think it just credit the Southern Illinois O-line. And I think both teams had that going for them on both ends in the matchup. The, both teams protected their quarterbacks very well, and I don't think Southern really had the best receiving core. It seemed like they had decent run game, uh, a lot of young receivers or even some veterans, but they didn't seem like they matched too well with their quarterback, it seems like. And I, I feel like the Birds have that blessing in Brady Davis, and of course, credit to Jake Colby as well, our senior captain and backup, but the Redbirds were probably expecting another, at least a big test coming up this season at this point even. You know, every team has their big test, and the question will be how that team approaches it, especially in the Redbirds' case as they are facing a team they're very well used to. We saw them at home last year to, towards the end of the season in regular season play, the North Dakota State Bison. Now, Anthony, I know that name means something like, oh, the, what are the Redbirds going to do? You know, we don't expect, but this is a Redbird team coming 5-1 and one into this game. They're a different team than last year, you know, a, a stronger identity, a Comfortable uh, rapport between quarterback, run game, and receivers along with their O-line. Uh, strong defensive presence, good chemistry with the team overall and with the coaches and uh, Brock Speck. 
What are your thoughts when the Redbirds go into North Dakota in that game Saturday afternoon? What are you expecting to see, and what is your best score prediction at this point? Well, I think that the Redbirds are going to go into North Dakota with revenge on their mind and determined to get a win because time and time again, we have seen that the Bison have beat the Redbirds and they're undefeated, number one in the FCS, winning national titles every other year between them and James Madison. And, you know, the Birds, um, you know, can probably agree with me that they're kind of tired of hearing that. They want to try and change it up and show the Bison that this is a Redbird team that has come to play. Um, and I think you mentioned that too with um, our first string quarterback, Brady Davis, that we've got a good core there and we've got um, a good amount of players, a lot of depth um, on the offensive side with our receivers. We can move them all around from freshman to senior and same thing on defense. We um, got to be able to step up a little bit more, but I think if we can go into North Dakota State um, and get a win, that would be huge for us and also in the playoffs too because we want to try and get a playoff berth that we haven't been for a while. And the way the Redbirds have been playing, um, we haven't seen this type of play in a while for the Redbirds. Um, so that would be a pretty um, big win for them pulling off this upset. And I think that even what we saw last year against North Dakota State in that first half, they were tied with them. So they were able to play with them in the second half, the Bison pulled away. But I think – um, how strong our team is, <clears throat> I think we'll be able to pull away with the game. I think it'll be a really close game because these are both um, uh, strong offensive teams and defensive teams. So I think that the Birds, I'm calling right now, win maybe 17-14. to 14. That's a very great score prediction. I like that a lot. I, I like how you're able to tie in, especially where both teams are at right now, just looking at the standings. Uh, North Dakota State still on top in the Missouri Valley Football Conference with a very closely undefeated record, no question. But uh, the Redbirds not falling too behind in second place there. And I'm going to follow a bit similar, but I think I think this is the big game for the Redbirds. You know, we saw a big scoring uh, in the snow, too. I remember I was there at that one. It was really snowy here at Rebbe Arena. But I think that when ISU goes on the road, they – they're going to probably do something similar to they did against Colorado State. You know, they had two victories before that game that were home, kind of like what we just saw, you know, at homecoming against uh, Southern Illinois and then Western Illinois 33-16 victory. And I think they're going to bring in that mentality saying, we know what happened in Missouri State, so we want to prevent what happened there. You know, maybe any mistakes they thought had, any, like, mental things they had to work through, kind of like, oh, we – are very a little too confident maybe that we can do this. And that, that'll happen with any great team, any great player that isn't trying to be that confident. Sometimes that overconfidence can come and, you know, get to you when he was expected. So I think Brady Davis and the Birds are going to go in there. That offense is going to do what it does best. They're going to face some defensive adversity. You know, uh, North Coast State doesn't have a really good, just solid offense, but they have a pretty good defense that can stop the quarterback when they need to. And I think they're going to pay attention a lot to James Robinson as well as Spencer Chanel. So I think it's going to be a pretty decent game for those two players, but it's good that the Redbirds have guys like Markel Smith and Jordan Birch. I feel like Coach will be able to turn to them too if uh, Robinson's getting well blocked, you know, stacked in the box, or uh, maybe Chanel getting covered by, really well by the secondary of the, the Bison. But I think it's going to be still a very good Brady Davis game. It helps that you have two quarterbacks as well with Jake Colby if they need to bring him in and kind of – you know, confuse the Bison a little bit. But I think it's going to be, and this is kind of a high prediction in score, but you know, you always say expect the unexpected in football. I have the Redbirds going into North Dakota State, getting a victory. Yes, the victory, so we both agree on that, Anthony. But I have a score of 34-16. to 16. I'm going to go 34-16. to 16. I feel like that Bison offense is good, but every good offense – and we've seen it with the Patriots, the Chiefs even this year in the NFL. Every team will make a dis mistake and give the ball to the defense. And there's no mistake. I just use defense when they get the ball. When we, you talked about that when they've stripped the ball against various teams earlier this season. They get scores off it. They make it happen. And I think that's what's going to happen. So that's my score prediction. Illinois State football will be on the road, as we mentioned, against the North Dakota State Bison this Saturday in Fargo, North Dakota. That is a 2.30 p.m. kickoff start. Following that, the Saturday after, they will be back in Bloomington Normal 
on Family Weekend. That is a noon kickoff against the South Dakota State Jackrabbits. Now heading into the professional sports segment, Anthony, we're going to head to the game that we were expecting a different outcome out of. It is the Chicago Bears. They are still a solid record of 3-2 and two on the year, and we're in first place. you got to love those ties in the overtime right now, uh, the way it happened earlier this season against Green Bay when they played Minnesota, because that's giving the Bears first place. But I'm sure you watched the game as well. Uh, I had I have some various questions from it as well. We're going to get to the, a few more of those in just a minute. You probably know what I'm getting at already. <laughs> but the Bears lost a close game to Miami Week 6. Their former offensive coordinator, now the head coach over there in his second season, doing a pretty good job, I think, You know, getting Ryan Tannehill back and healthy this year. Uh, still questions in their run game over Miami as well. Uh, very good receiving core. We saw Albert Wilson play some really good football that uh, this past Sunday in Miami against the Bears defense. And I'm just wondering, what are your thoughts after week six? You know, a Bears team that had a three-game win streak with a new head coach probably for the first time in years, and then they fall in a game to three points. It was a lopsided game. Bears came back, um, just looking at the score, set 21 points in the third quarter and seven in the fourth. They weren't able to get something together in overtime. And I'm just wondering what your opening thoughts are um, recapping that matchup. Well, I think it's a tough loss um, for the Bears. And obviously a loss um, they didn't expect. And fans alike as well didn't expect that. Um, even to go into overtime against the team. Um, we knew the Dolphins were a solid team. But we felt that the Bears were stronger. Um, and it was something that they experienced uh, in the opening game against the Packers as well, that they were able to have a lead, but weren't able to hold on to that. And I think that's going to have to be a big thing for the Bears going forward is that you can't let that lead slip no matter how big or how small it is. Because um, think of it, they went into the Packers game uh, in that first half thinking, oh, we're going to upset the Packers at home in the first game of the year and we're going to be leading the division. Well, Packers say not so fast and they come back. So I think just – getting that mentality of, you know, as we've heard as athletes and the coaches saying, you know, play till the whistle, you know, you don't stop playing the game until the clock hits double zeros and um, until the game stops or maybe, or basically that's where your podcast until there's the fifth quarter starts. I love that time. That's probably the coolest time we've had on this show. I love that, Anthony, but please continue on your thoughts. Yeah. Um. So with that, just kind of, shaking off that loss from last week. And their next three games are in the same division. Uh, I believe it's the AFC East that the Dolphins won. They're playing the Patriots. This yes, week, which is going very to be correct. A, yes. a huge road test. I believe, are they on the road or are they at home? Correction, the Bears are at home. They will be at good old Soldier Field. It'll be Matt Nagy's third game at home. And just, I, I love the points you made, Anthony. Very good. I, I think the time was probably my favorite to the show. That was... Uh, good timing there, my friend, so good work. Uh, I, we love that on the show. We love uh, personality and just having your own spin on things with that perspective. So that was a very good tie-in. We appreciate that on the show, that publicity for it. But one and two on the road, not too shabby of a record for the Bears under a new head coach because the, the team's still getting the hang of playing teams on the road that with the new coach. You know, there's different things. There's still some players – getting uh, chemistry built together. Like, I'm sure Khalil Mack's still learning some of those plays on defense. They're almost there completely. Uh, even after that, you still have to get acquainted with playing that way once you learn the whole playbook on the field. And I think this is going to go into my next question. And this isn't my bias. You know kind of my uh, running back preference choice with the Bears. But I'm wondering as much as almost any Bears fan, what's going on with Jordan Howard just because we've seen incredible numbers from him um, in the last three years with the Bears, thousand yard seasons. You know, last year was the last year with John Fox. It wasn't really the best for him in terms of how uh, Fox brought him onto the field. And Tariq Cohen's great. I have no doubt he's great. But the questions I have is kind of how what happens when the way they're depending on him so much um, in certain situations when he's open and everything. That's great. But it's kind of like if they're comparing him to Tyreek Hill, I'm gonna add this to it. Not to play devil's advocate too much, but what will happen if, you know, the Patriots, they're going to get onto that. They're gonna, we were talking about with the Redbirds when they go to North Tool Skate uh, in James Robinson's case. I'm going to compare that to Tariq Cohen right now with the Bears going into Sunday at home, uh, hosting 
probably one of the most experienced teams in football right now is the New England Patriots. Uh, solid veterans and just that experience with Coach Belichick. I feel like they're going to really get to Tariq Cohen more than Howard at this point. And I'm wondering, you know, just even looking at the numbers, Jordan Howard had 14 carries, 69 yards. Uh, Trubisky had almost more rushing yards than the Bears starting RB. And Tariq Cohen had a lot more receiving yards, obviously, because he's a slot receiver for the Bears. But they're still putting him in more in the running back spot. They're not, like, bringing him out as a receiver. And I think that's kind of an issue with the Bears' chemistry right now because with a new head coach, you're you're doing a great job with the offense. You know, Mitch is still trying out his different weapons, but he's kind of almost leaving, in my opinion, and I think a lot of analysts have kind of agreed to this point, leaving Jordan Howard out in the water. Now, he did have that fumble, which I don't think was the smartest play on his, uh, you know, any player can make mistakes, but that wasn't the best play in Jordan Howard's repertoire he used. And uh, I'm sure he could, he told that to Coach, too. They were both in agreement there. But I think that they need to spread it out a little more. Like, Jordan Howard deserves that as the veteran of the uh, running backs. You know, even with Benny Cunningham, who's played a little bit more than him. I think it's important that he showed that respect as veteran. I, I'm, he still is. He's getting a good amount of touches. But I feel like – I don't think he feels disrespected. But I feel like he it, there's a bit of a disconnect. And he's almost near a contract year, too, so that's a big question for the Bears' run game. And I'm going to turn it over to you, Anthony. I know you're a big uh, Bears fan as well, and I, I'm not dissing any player. You know on this show we don't do that. We try and talk as positive as possible. So I'm not trying to downplay Tariq Cohen's talent. He's incredible. I love what he's doing for the Bears. Uh, I think it's just going to continue moving forward. The Bears have a two-headed monster at RB. But I'm wondering how Nagy can maybe better fit it to where both players get productive numbers, you know, evenly, not just one – and uh, I feel like that'll help the team even better. You were talking about it in the, after that first question, how the Dolphins were able to get to us. And I feel like even – let's take away that fumble. Had Jordan Howard maybe gotten, I'm going to say, a ballpark of eight more touches, ten more touches, he could have had those opportunities to bring the points. And you always talk about that at the end of a sports game. You know, you, when you're recapping it yourself, when you're just sitting in front of the TV watching it, good old football Sundays – you always think of what could happen. What if? What if this happens? What if that play doesn't happen? What if this happens instead? What if Jordan Howard gets more touches evenly with Tariq? I feel like it's not even running back by committee. It, it feels like Jordan Howard's almost getting phased out. But I still think both running backs are a key part of this team, a key solid future. Um, but, Anthony, I know you have some interesting insight on both. So what are you what are you thinking about with uh, this big question in the Bears' run game? That's still good, but – Maybe doesn't have the consistency and even out uh, production they're looking for. Yeah, I, um, I couldn't agree more with you all that. They are both good running backs uh, to have, and they're pretty solid. They can put up numbers when they can, but I think uh, you're right that the Bears do lack consistency in trying to find who that number one running back is going to be as, as though, you know, Jordan Howard would start the game, but then Tariq Cohen would come in and he'd end up getting more touches. Um Obviously, we don't know everything going on. It could be something having to do with practice. Maybe someone's not feeling well, or maybe they forgot to show up. But definitely trying to find the solid one and two and kind of spreading it out and get a bit of different plays. As you mentioned, Cohen, a uh, slot receiver. So maybe trying to bring them both out or something and try and mix up the plays. Because as you mentioned, this is an experienced Patriots team that's coming in at the Soldier Field playing the Bears. And this is probably going to be a pretty loud game at Soldier Field, the way that the Bears have been playing and playing a um, Super Bowl experience team in the Patriots. And, you know, you're going to want to try and mix things up if you're really going to want to uh, fool Bill Belichick's team. And you're getting into my closing question. You must have been really studying up for the show tonight. I appreciate that, uh, that preparation. And the listeners do as well on your insight as well, Anthony. Uh, the Bears facing Sunday, and you just hit the nail right on the dot. The New England Patriots, this will probably be – I don't want to say the Green Bay Packers aren't a good competition of experienced players. They are, but I feel like in terms of winning pedigree with a new head coach and the Bears looking for a really good challenge this early in the season now, yes, week seven is still early. We're not at the halfway point yet. We're only – this is our sixth game of the season since the week – bye week was uh, week four, which is a lot earlier than we've seen for the Bears the last few years. They've had it like around after week 10 or at week 10, but – the New England Patriots, and they're sporting the new receiver. Uh, a lot of people have been talking about how he's fitting already in New England to this point. Josh uh, Gordon doing a really good job to this point. 
He hasn't been with the team that long, but just kind of looking at some of the key players on the New England Patriots side, uh, Tom Brady in passing yards right now, 1,600 on the year so far, 13 touchdowns, 6 interceptions. Mitch Trubisky not too far off with 1,261 in total passing yards, 11 TDs, 4 interceptions. But the running back position is probably – now the receiving court you could say you're going to pay a lot of attention to. Uh, Taylor Gabriel, Allen Robinson, who actually wasn't practicing today um, along with Khalil Mack. I think they're just – I think Khalil Mack will probably be a game-time decision, or most likely he'll play. I think it'll be pretty rare we don't see him in at least a portion of the game because they said his ankle's not too, too bad. But, you know, in terms of Gronk, of course, you're going to pay attention to Gronkowski. But the run game, I'm going to watch on both sides because we've seen the emergence of Sony Michelle, the rookie running back for the New England Patriots. And I think they call – I'm going to give the credit to uh, NFL Fantasy Live, the analyst at NFL Network Day. Uh, call it Bellatrix, the the way Bill Belichick. I think that's pretty cool if you're a Harry Potter fan, just a side note there. But I think it's going to be a close game. Uh, I think the Bears are going to put up a really good fight, bring some energy from Miami, learn something from how close that was there, and they are going to pull out a victory. Yes, a victory at home against New England. New England will go 4-3, and three, Bears will go 4-2, and two, staying undefeated at home. I have it going 34-31. to 31. Mitch Trubisky throws a fourth quarter touchdown to and I'm going to throw a real ration out there a 60 yard run he's going to do a pass catch to Jordan Howard Jordan Howard's done a lot of work on that in the offseason we've heard and I think just a closing point on that running back thing Anthony it's because you know it's a new coach so he's maybe just seeing how Tariq fits already knowing what Jordan Howard does and then it's going to be up to Jordan Howard to see how both of those two can fit together I think it's going to be up to Jordan and Tariq and not just with Mitch. You know, they like to always refer to Mitch as the main focal of the whole offense. But uh, I have the Bears winning 34-31. I think it's going to be a fourth-quarter touchdown that does the deal. So what is your score prediction against the Patriots? I think it's going to be a close game. Um, but with the Bears being at home and being undefeated um, and with Soldier Field roaring behind them, I think they're going to pull out a 24-21. And I think it's going to come down to – an unexpected thing that the Bears fans haven't seen yet in somewhat of a two-minute drill for the Bears. So they find themselves down 20-17 to 17 with a couple minutes to go. Trubisky is going to find his way to trudge down the field, get inside the red zone, and get a touchdown. I think Jordan Howard will be um, the hero there, either on a run play or maybe – Hopefully not another fumble. I think he's going to make up from that one. That was a pretty rough one last week. He's got to make it up, and I think that – if he were to get the game-winning touchdown, Bears fans would most likely forgive him um, for his error against the Dolphins. And we mentioned the Chicago Bears will be hosting the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick coming to town in the beautiful Windy City. Hopefully it's a little windy in the change of the Patriots losing on this end. We won't know it's going to happen until Sunday. That is a noon p.m kickoff you can catch that at good old cbs chicago now heading into a brief update of mlb playoffs the teams we're seeing right now in the nlcs we have the milwaukee brewers and the los angeles dodgers and we also have the boston red sox against the houston astros so anthony it's it's been an interesting playoff i think it's just really interesting i know you're a big cubs fan so i want to give them Credit for what they did this season. You know, with the pitching, the injuries they've had, and, you know, Chris Bryant coming back to form. They did a pretty good job trying to get in. I, it was tough competition we knew in the NL. Uh, none of the NL Central teams, aside from the Brewers, who no one expected to maybe, I wouldn't even say make it all the way, but maybe going that high, you know, compared to what we saw last year. You know, they weren't able to finish it the way they liked. But just looking at some of the games right now, and – Game six is coming up tomorrow for the Dodgers and the Brewers as the Dodgers lead the series closely 3-2. to two. The Brewers, I don't think, are going to go anywhere. They've played a really great uh, playoff uh, series in the postseason this year. That's just credit to their team and what they're doing over there. Uh, of course, my good old buddy, a shout-out to Curtis Granderson from good old Thornton Factual South High School in Lansing, from Linwood, Illinois, over in Lansing, Illinois. Uh, keep up the good work, Curtis, with your Brewers. But uh, the Red Sox leading... 3-1 to one against the Astros, and I'm going to ask what your opening uh, thoughts are of this year's MLB playoffs first, Anthony. What are you thinking of the playoffs to this point? 
I think it's been very entertaining. Obviously, it was different for Cubs fans. They didn't expect um, to play this late in the season, or I should say play that one-game wild card and lose that to division rival Brewer, Brewers because the way they've been playing throughout the entire season, you know, they were pretty comfortable, and then it came down to the wire. But it has been entertaining to watch. Um, with also, you look on the AL side, things have been going strong. Look, the defending champ Houston Astros heating things up. They've got a very solid um, pitching staff, and their bullpen's got a lot of depth. They got a lot of good hitters: Carlos Correa, George Springer, Alex Bregman, and so they're they've been looking pretty strong. And a matchup that, even though I'm more of the NL side, but on the AL side, I did like seeing was um, the Yankees facing the Red Sox. And that I have to agree. Yeah, that was very competitive. Yeah, got a lot of publicity there and seeing um, a lot of solid swingers uh, from the Yankee side, such as Aaron Judge, Giancarlo Stanton, Gary Sanchez. And then for the Red Sox, they got Mookie Betts, Sander Bogarts, and all those guys. They got Chris Sale having a solid pitching year, former White Sox. A favorite um, of mine, yes, sir. And I think it's been a pretty entertaining um playoffs to watch so far and do you have a world series prediction i think is the big question now we're still seeing a lot of games but you're you're, you're answering the right questions but the big one uh, listeners are waiting for we still haven't answered here so i'm gonna let you go first world series prediction what two teams do you have making it through and what team will be the world series champion in how many games well i think on the nl side it's going to be the los angeles dodgers they have that three to two game lead brewers might get lucky and get game six but i think Either in Game 6 or Game 7, Dodgers are going to pull it out. On the AL side, I've got to go with the Boston Red Sox. Not only upsetting um, the defending champions, but Chris Sale has been having a phenomenal season and has been a, um, a Cy Young candidate and also got 106 wins this season. Um, and I'm not just saying that because they got the most wins, but they are a competitive team and they can put up numbers. So I think it's going to be... The Red Sox against the Dodgers in the World Series. And then my prediction is that the Boston Red Sox um, will win the World Series. I think it will be a tough one. I think probably six games it will go um, with the way that the Dodgers have been playing. And I'm going to go Red Sox as well, Anthony. I love what the Red Sox do, not just because I'm a big Chris Sale fan on the south side, still one of my favorite pitchers in uh, Sox history of all time. But I like what their offense is doing. I'm a big Xander Bogarts fan. I love how that infield matches with – Rafael Devers, they still have Dustin Pedroia over at second, uh, playing part-time. And, uh, you know, first base, they got Mitch Moreland, a uh, good young player from Illinois native Sam Travis. Uh, that outfield is probably the best part offensively as well. Mookie Betts and uh, Andrew Benintendi, a young player with still a lot of promise moving forward. And uh, J.D. Martinez. But just the pitching, I think, is a big key. Uh, the bullpen's not too bad, but they got to be very consistent. We've seen that in playoffs. That's what matters most in certain game situations, the way pitching is these days compared to, you know, recent, like back when the Red Sox won in 04 and such. But I have the Brewers moving on, uh, surprisingly. I think the Dodgers are great. They're actually one of my favorites in the National League, not just historically learning about Brooklyn, but uh, what LA does as well. I think they're a really great team. They're my favorite in the NL. Uh, along with my White Sox in the AL. But I'm going to go with the Brewers moving on. I think the Brewers have more, what you say, and you know I'm a big Rock fan. I'm going to relate it to the eye of the tiger type mentality. I think the Brewers have done that this season, you know, saying a message to Cub fans, Cardinal fans, Pirate fans. Hey, we're still in the division, and we, uh, we, we, we showed the best we can. We played the best we can against you, and we're moving forward. And uh, I think that's going to happen. I'd love to see uh, my high school's uh, all well-respected um, alumnus who plays for the Brewers find that at least close championship in the latter part of his career and I think he deserves to win and I think it's going to be I'd go the Brewers in this one but I gotta go Chris Sale I'm going to go seven games it's going to be a final score of two to one I'm going to go two to one I think both teams are going to put their best pitchers forward Chris Sale will probably have a good start in the World Series but they're gonna they're gonna be like okay we we can get all four games but they're not and they're gonna say okay Chris Sale will get another start out of it you know we'll make sure he starts game seven we'll make sure we don't have to use him too much five and six if he comes in a slight bullpen thing we're gonna save the best of Chris Sale for game seven and I think it's gonna be a Chris Sale matchup and he's gonna get to those hitters I think CJ 
Curtis Granson will probably be um, with Ewich in the hitting totals. Uh, I think he's going to be that key one along with Mike Moustakis, who just continues to swing the bat well in his career. It's going to be a Red Sox in 7, 2-1, to one, and Chris Sale will get that Cy Young he deserves. So those are your MLB playoff predictions. As we mentioned, Game 6 underway tomorrow, 7.39 p.m., Dodgers and Brewers. Bottom of the second right now in Game 5 of the Astros and Red Sox. And the Chicago Bulls are playing in the 2018 regular season right now tonight against the Philadelphia 76ers. We here at Will's, we here at Will's fifth quarter special will continue to keep you updated as the season moves forward, as well with the off-season points of the White Sox and the Cubs. Anthony, we are now headed into the closing part of the show that everyone's been waiting for. It is Will's Sports Movie Moment. We all have our favorite moments, not just in the sports we watch, but in our own favorite sports movies. This segment gives myself, my guest co-host, and our listeners at home a chance to pick their favorite moment in their favorite sports movie and compare it to modern-day sports. Listeners can hop onto the podcast Facebook and Twitter page and post their own sports movie moment favorites. Anthony, in the spirit of the show, I always like the co-host to go first. You are going to go first, sir. What one do you have for us tonight? What's the lucky movie choice? Uh, well, thanks for letting me go first. Um, I'm very excited for this one. and It's obviously a fan favorite. I think anyone that has a chance to listen to this podcast or be a guest co-host on this show, got to love the sports movie moment. But um, the movie I'm going with, Will, is The Game Plan. Um, which very is a, good choice. Which is a football movie starring Dwayne The Rock Johnson, who plays quarterback Joe Kingman for the Boston Rebels. And they play... Um, the movie takes place at Gillette Stadium, and this team is a very entertaining team to watch. Their quarterback is doing it all, passing and running. Uh, fans are loving it, and they always find themselves short of a championship, and they're destined to win a championship. And I'm kind of comparing this to the Bears in that um, it's a football team that everyone's really excited to watch, and um, fans are getting skeptical. Obviously, it's early in the season, but... They're thinking like, oh, you know, could this be the year, you know, based on what we saw at the beginning of the season with the Bears, they are very entertaining to watch. Fans are liking it, and they have built a team that could be in the playoffs, and it's also kind of fitting because they are playing against the Patriots who play at Gillette Stadium, and who takes place at Gillette Stadium, but Bears are going to be at home this week, and fans are going to be electric. That's a wonderful tie-in. I like how you tied in Gillette. Uh, well... Different name of the stadium, of course, in the movie due to like, right. you know, rights and stuff, right, yes. things or whatever uh, the terms are for my media law class. Thank you, Dr. Moore. Uh, <laughs> I think it's a great movie. I like that one a lot, too. I saw that when I was a kid when it came out. It's a very uh, family favorite movie in my family as well as yours. So if you haven't seen the game plan, you need to, and there's room for another pun, you need to plan <laughs> on checking that one out. You now, do. mine is going to tie into something a lot of people won't expect. It's going to be the, I'm going to have to follow with, the Illinois State volleyball team, the energy they're playing with right now. And I'm going to go with, it's going to relate to a volleyball movie known as, it's called The Miracle Season. And I have it, heard it, of this. it's a volleyball movie. It's Now, of course, no players have passed away on the IC yes. team. Uh, just a spoiler, there's a player that uh, passes away named Caroline Found, who was like the spirit of the team. And uh, this is a high school program that was very successful under their head coach, and they go into this season, you know, with a lot of uh, questions and, you know, a coach that's very well experienced. I'm going to connect that to Coach Lee Johnson, and they get to a championship game. And the reason I'm comparing it to this is because I predicted at the beginning of the year, I stand by my prediction 100% on this team, just being a student here, seeing what they've done in my last two seasons here, hearing what they've done before, and uh, the team's even heyday in the past. This is a team that does not stop fighting back. We can see that with all athletics, but especially I think it's the most present, not just with men's basketball, but with Illinois State Volleyball. I have them going all the way this year. I think it's going to be a tough test in the postseason when they get to that point. You know, sustaining this record, sustaining the competition, and the opposing teams that try and top it. But the scene is the championship game. And, you know, they had that spirit going on from Caroline. Her best friend actually was the uh, new leader of the team, took over for her best friend that sadly left. Uh, the team and the town that meant she meant so much to. And uh, her mom actually died of cancer, too, after that. But And uh, the championship scene is probably the most exciting part. Uh, the coach, and you can see in the trailer, the coach tells them, you know, play, play for Caroline, uh, or they call her Line. That was her nickname. And uh, I think it's a pretty cool nickname. But um, 
the scene, she they're 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 in the huddle and she's saying, okay, you know, do this for who so and so, do this for so and so in the games of four. But the thing she says, I think, would stand up to any sports fan that hasn't seen this movie or has at least seen the trailer and wants to see the movie, The Miracle Season. She says, "You young women, win this for yourselves." And this rubber team's already doing that. You know, a coach that we mentioned in her second year brought not just coaching experience but playing experience. It's gonna, it's exactly similar to the men's basketball team when Dan Moeller, he he didn't play at Missouri State like Coach Johnson. He played here and he brought his playing pedigree to ISU as a coach. And Coach Johnson has done that. We see it at the games, Anthony. The energy she has with this team, the confidence she has, nothing but the utmost confidence in her team. And just looks forward to even doing more after a game. Even if they have a big victory or a sweep, the, the coolest, the greatest thing to hear from a coach is we can't wait to, you know, work even harder and do the best we can. I love hearing that, you know, confidence, not just the coach having confidence in her team, but the confidence in those players. And I think these young women of Illinois State, along with Coach Johnson, are going to continue that. And that's why I picked this movie. But the energy both teams had and have. I think is a really good one. So if you haven't seen The Miracle Season, it's a newer one that came out not too long ago. It's I think it was really... in April of 2018. Exactly. Yeah, it, it's a very recent one, and I think it's a really good movie to see. And I wouldn't say the Redbirds are having a miracle season. I think the miracle is that God blessed the Redbirds with such great young women uh, in terms of respectable student-athletes that play the game of volleyball so well, uh, the coaching staff, and the Lord blessed Illinois State after Melissa Meyer sadly left on uh, – you know, good terms, family-related uh, things. God brought us Coach Leah Johnson. So that's my movie moment. A very passionate one I chose because I'm very passionate about sports. I'm a very big fan and follower of Illinois State Volleyball for all the right reasons. A team that I think is going to have a successful season. And we had some great movie choices tonight, many more coming. But this is all the time we will have in Episode 20 of Will's Fifth Quarter Special. Tune in next time as Clayton Barakani will be making a first-time appearance as a guest co-host on episode 21, joining me to cover Illinois State volleyball and football as they move forward in their respective conference matchups this season. The Chicago Bears regular season recap after uh, the Bears play the New England Patriots and the New York Jets the weekend after. And the start of the Bulls season in 2018, off-season recaps for the Cubs and White Sox, and so much more. I want to thank Anthony Ferretti for coming back on the show a second time uh, tonight, his second time as the guest co-host of what was a fun time talking sports So Anthony. You're a friend of the show, a big follower of the show. We appreciate your support and being on the show a second time tonight. Hopefully many more moving forward. Thanks for being a part of the show tonight. And just keep up the great work you're doing in this career, man. You have a very good start. And just keep doing what you're doing, man. Keep that passion going. We we saw it tonight. And keep going even when you're not on the show, man. I will keep that up. Thank you for having me. And I share the same passion as you all that. You just both love talking sports, not only professionally, but at the collegiate level, being here as uh, Redbirds and just watching them. Play is just amazing. Special thanks also goes to the Illinois State Volleyball Head Coach Leah Johnson for the time she took to be a part of this show. And we here at Will's Fifth Quarter Special wish her continued success in her coaching career with the Redbird Volleyball Team and other things moving forward. Thank you also goes to the Illinois State Volleyball SID Shelby Hild for helping make this great guest appearance possible. When the fourth quarter buzzer sounds, turn to us for your fifth quarter sports talk. I'm your host, Will Farrell, along with ISU Volleyball Head Coach Leah Johnson. And Anthony Ferretti saying so long from Will's fifth quarter special. To continue to hear your fifth quarter sports talk, you can check out all of Will's fifth quarter specials at WilliamDFarlow.com. To join the sports conversation and share any opinions or thoughts on all sports, head to the Twitter page at WilliamDFarlow. The fifth quarter never stops here at Will's fifth quarter special.